Now I'd like to invite our children, grades K through two, to join Pastor Renee for children's worship. So now, gracious God, in these moments, meet us here. God, who is big enough to hold our joy and our gladness alongside our grief and our pain and our anger. God, who is big enough to hold everything that we bring with us into this space. May the words of my mouth, may the meditations of all of our hearts together in this place be found pleasing to you. Lord, you are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. I have a question for us this morning. Have you ever wondered why we say, bless you, after somebody sneezes? Blessing. It's a word we've been singing and saying over and over again this morning. And we say it almost as second nature without really considering why we say it. I think most of us probably pay way more attention to germs these days than we did a couple years ago. And it makes me wonder why I would want to bless someone who has just released thousands of their germs into the air around me. But there are actually a few different origin stories around this custom. The most popular theory originated in Rome when the bubonic plague was ravaging Europe because sneezing was actually believed to be one of the early warning signs of the plague. So Pope Gregory I asked all of the Christians in the area to respond whenever someone sneezed with a blessing to protect this person from their impending death, which was right around the corner. Now, another more superstitious theory stems from the ancient belief that a sneeze might actually expel someone's soul from their body, unless God blesses you and prevents that from happening. Or other cultures thought that sneezing forced evil spirits out of the body, so the blessing was to protect both the sneezer and those around them from what was happening. And then there is a theory, still common today, that our hearts actually stop beating when we sneeze, and this blessing is a way of welcoming the sneezer back from temporary death. (laughs) I'm really just waiting for somebody to sneeze during the sermon this morning. I'm really excited about that. I heard it earlier in the service, so if you have one coming, like, don't hold back. Let it go, okay? Well, today, saying bless you is more of a polite social custom than anything. Perhaps it's what psychology professor Frank Farley calls a micro-affection instead of the micro-aggressions that some of us experience. Because he says, saying bless you engenders a brief and passing feel-good connection with the person who is sneezing all over the place. Now, of course, you and I know that the words blessing and blessed are used in many other contexts as well. 
And just the slightest tone change between bless you and bless you can communicate a world of difference, right? Or bless her heart, yeah, yeah, or bless it, like bless that basketball game last night, just bless it, and bless my voice this morning, (laughs) bless it, so many different connotations, and then there's the saying of being hashtag blessed, which has become so overused to the extent that it feels like nothing more than a cliche saying that's plastered all over t-shirts and coffee mugs and greeting cards and wooden signs on our shiplap walls. They're all just blessed. So I don't know about you, but this word blessed, even though we've been singing it and saying it all morning, it's a word that sometimes makes me cringe and kind of feel uncomfortable because it can seem to imply that God is favoring some people over other people. For instance, when a couple shares that they are so blessed to have a beautiful, healthy baby, I always think, what might that feel like for the couple who just had a miscarriage? Or for the couple whose baby might not have been born healthy, are they not too blessed? Or when someone feels so blessed to have received a new job or to have purchased a new home, what if the person who can't find a job, the person who just lost their job, what of our houseless neighbors whose lives have been so severely impacted by addiction and mental illness, are they too not blessed? I was actually talking to John Dixon between services, and he shared about a time when the hurricane took so many homes in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. And he said the way it hit, one street would be completely unscathed, and the very next street would be completely destroyed. And when one neighbor said how blessed they were that God had protected them and taken care of their house and provided for their needs, what on earth does that communicate to the neighbors who lost everything? What do you do with that? I fear that we have been using this word blessed in ways to suggest that there are winners and there are losers. There are insiders and outsiders making it feel as if God purposefully blesses some and not others. And it makes me at least want to pause and reconsider how and where and in what ways I use the word blessed. Which is why I love Jesus' words here in Matthew 5 words the choir has just sung for us. Because Jesus, in this very first sermon he has ever preached, completely turns upside down our understanding of what it means to be blessed. Jesus doesn't say anything about being blessed when life is picture perfect and everything is going our way. He says, blessed are the weak. Blessed are the vulnerable. Blessed are the poor. Blessed are those who are brokenhearted. Blessed are the oppressed. He causes us to totally reimagine what does it mean to be blessed. 
Bible scholar David Luce cautions us that there is a trap hidden within these Beatitudes that I know I've fallen into countless times. Perhaps you have too. And it is this. It's believing that Jesus is setting up the conditions for blessing. Maybe it's ingrained in us and our capitalist society and our you do something good for me and I'll do something good for you kind of world that blessing must be earned that we must work hard enough or meet the right criteria check all the right boxes in order to be blessed but I wonder what if the point here isn't about any of the particular people on the hillside that day, what they have done or haven't done, but simply about Jesus' desire to bless us just as we are, just as we come with no conditions, no strings attached. What if blessing is not something that we could ever earn or achieve or manufacture, not something that we could hoard up and store so that we can pull out the leftovers on a rainy day, but something that comes to us like manna in the fields of the wilderness. And what if blessing has very little to do with who we are or what we have done and everything to do with who God is and God's posture toward us? Because from the very beginning of the time, we see an image of a God who blesses you think about it, when we read back in Genesis and the story of creation, many of us tend to think about Adam and Eve and the garden and original sin. But think back even before that to God's original blessing. When God looks out over everything that God has made and calls it good, and then when God turns toward humankind, which God has created and God's perfect image. God calls us very good. It's one of the first things God says. And so from the very beginning of scripture and here from the very beginning of Jesus's ministry, we see a God whose disposition toward us is always, always, always to bless. And so my question for us today is, what does this sermon of Jesus mean for us? all these years later. And I want to offer two possibilities for us. One is that I think there is no corner of our lives, no corner of the world where we cannot find blessing. There's absolutely no person, no situation that is beyond God's ability to show up. As the poet Mary Oliver puts it, On the front of your bulletin today, sometimes I need only to stand wherever I am to be blessed. And two is, if Jesus' very first disposition to others is to bless them, what is mine? I'll be the first to admit that blessing often comes later for me. Because first, I, I want to feel things out with you. I want to test the waters. <laughs> At first, I am guilty of, of judging, of being critical, of making sure that 
you and I are on the same team. And then once I know that you're cool, then blessing upon blessing upon blessing, I'm all in. But what would it look like if my first inclination were to bless with no strings attached? And what would it look like if the church's primary disposition toward others were to bless? Y'all think of all the things that the church is known for. We are known for who and what we are against. What if the church were known for this unconditional, unfathomable, all-inclusive, boundless love of God that blesses? Think how that could change the world. Several of us here at Highland love the writing of John O'Donohue, who has written this incredible book of blessings. He says, to bless the spaces between us. He writes blessings for so many different moments and thresholds of our lives. And he's actually transformed what this word means for me. He writes, it is ironic that so often we continue to live like paupers, though our inheritance of spirit is so vast. In the parched deserts of post-modernity, a blessing can feel like the discovery of a fresh well. Wouldn't it be lovely, he writes, if we could rediscover our power to bless one another? When a blessing is invoked, he says, it changes the atmosphere. And I would add that it might just change the world. And so I wanted to end this morning's sermon with a blessing. And with hopes that you and I might rediscover our power, our privilege, to bring and work toward blessing. Blessing, blessed are you who faithfully gather here within these stone walls week after week. You create space for all people to be welcomed here, and your presence helps to carry all that we bring with us into this space because none of us can carry it alone. And so may you remember this morning that you are carried and held by a love that will never let you go. Blessed are you who are skeptical this morning, who have doubts that inspire bold and brave and beautiful questions among us. Blessed are you whose curiosity inspires us toward a faith that is real and ever-changing and transformative, never stagnant or shallow. Blessed are our musicians whose music and singing help us to experience the wonder and beauty and creativity of the divine. May the music you create breathe a life-giving beat within you. Bless you who bring grief into this space today. Who remember the person who is not sitting next to you on these wooden pews. Bless you, Janine Nesbitt, if you are here or with us online. Nancy Jergovich, Kim Clark, and all those who are experiencing pain and loss these days. May you experience the depths of a love that is always, always with you. 
even in these hard moments, may you know you are not alone. Bless you, our tired and weary parents and grandparents who barely made it into the doors of the church on this pouring rain Sunday morning. May you find honest encouragement this morning because you are phenomenal and what you are doing week after week is no small thing. May you leave here with a rebounded energy for the week ahead. Bless you, our beloved LGBTQ siblings. Your queerness reminds us of the beautiful spectrum of God's love. You are fearfully and wonderfully made in the image of a God who can never be defined by gender or pronoun or label because God's love for us knows no bounds. Bless you, Tracy Holiday, as you continue in this journey of fighting against cancer. May God give you strength and stamina and discernment and love in the days ahead as you take brave next steps. Bless you, Gary Waller, who shows up every single week, the last one to leave and the first one to get here, and creates a space for all of us to be welcome. Bless your generosity of spirit and your quiet wit that we love. Bless those of you who took a chance to come here today, not knowing what on earth you would experience or how you would be received. God sees you, and you are a beloved child of God. Bless you, my friend David Hartley and Jerry. May you feel surrounded by the love of a God who is carrying you in a community who is praying for you and walking alongside you. Bless you, Paul, Kim, for taking a risk of faith and for opening yourselves to a new calling and a new church on the other side of the country. May God bless your daughters, Ashton and Alyssa, in the midst of this next step of their journey. May God bless Rovon Wells, the mother of Tyree Nichols, and not in the cliche kind of blessing that is no more than our thoughts and prayers, but the blessing that is real and tangible and justice-bringing in this world And may we work to bring about this kind of blessing that our world is desperate for. May we work to usher in a kind of peace that is the presence of justice in a world and a system that is so unjust. Highland, may God bless us in this hard and holy work. For even as this work challenges us, know that we are equipped and called precisely for it. God bless you, Highland. Amen.